When you really start to set those big goals and you focus on those big goals and you be, have a healthy obsession with those big goals, that's when things start to change. Like I said, you might not hit that goal in the time frame you want, mm -hmm. but if you focus on it, you will eventually hit it. That's the key is the focus, right? Yeah. Obsession is the, is the right word too. There's something about driving towards something that's not real that in some weird way makes it real and the universe rewards that momentum. We have some weird ability to create for ourselves the future that we see, but we have to see it and, and drive towards it. Yeah, and you're 100% you're right. The, the problem is a lack of vision. Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, how to build a better life. The podcast that inspires you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build a life that you wanna live. My name is Patrick Strevens. And this podcast is something of a journey. It's uh, chronicling my journey to peace of mind, and I hope that it'll be a part of yours as well. Uh, this show will offer uh, thought processes, hacks, if you will, tips, tricks, behaviors um, that I've used um, to inch myself towards a better life every day, and more importantly, speaking with guests who are in some respects, uh, hopefully and surely, uh, much further down the road to a better life than me. And that continues today. This is part one of my conversation with Vic Pipke. Vic is currently working as an independent financial broker, uh, but it didn't start that way. Um, Vic was a police officer for many, many years. In fact, for over a decade, he was a member of the Edmonton Police Force SWAT team. Um, but when a, a terrible, uh, not tragic, but a terrible, unforeseeable injury ended Vic's policing career, he was forced to make a transformation. And now he works um, as, like I said, an independent financial broker through World Financial Group. And yes, I said it, World Financial Group. And Vic speaks very openly, very frankly about his work with World Financial. And um, we address, or he addresses the bad press that exists around that organization, although it seems to work very, very well for very many people. So uh, he sets the record straight, at least in his eyes, on that one. But Part one of this episode that you're about to see today, I should say part one of this conversation, um, jam-packed with, I would say, inspirational stuff, but also actionable stuff that you can put to work now as far as how you're thinking and, and what you're doing. Um, you know, Vic is a guy who, who, step one, when he meets a new client, he challenges them to dream and to set goals. And I think that needs to be a huge part uh, of my life, for sure, as I inch toward better, and, uh, and perhaps yours as well. I mean, the importance of dreaming, having these these wild, uh, you know, fantasies that we'd like to fulfill someday, may be possible if we're willing to back engineer, as Vic says, the goals that we would need to achieve uh, to get to that dream state. And we may not achieve the dream, but by achieving all those goals along the way, surely, surely, a better life would would lie in the cards for us. So. Um, Really, we, we spoke a lot about the importance of dreaming and the importance of setting goals. Two things at the end of this conversation that we touched on that I um, would really love for you to pay attention to and to take home and to make yours, time management and scheduling, as well as a morning routine. So those were uh, two or three things that Vic and I really vibed on at the end. And they're, they're two things that I'm gonna speak on in a, in a follow-up episode to this one. Uh, we'll, we'll hash out a little bit more about Vic's approach to scheduling, as well as my own and the importance of the, you know, sometimes maligned, maybe misunderstood, a little bit cliche morning routine, but there's a there's a deep importance to that that, that Vic speaks on at the end. So I'm gonna get out of the way. 
please enjoy this one. I should say there's also some tidbits of, of like practical financial advice from Vic as far as how you can get control of your financial situation today or this week and start improving. So with all that said, please enjoy this one. It's jam-packed. Maybe take some notes or else sit back and enjoy it. A man who has seen a lot, he's done a lot, he's become a whole hell of a lot. This is part one of my conversation with Mr. Vic Pipke. All right, Vic, thanks for having me into your office and for making the time to do this. It's, uh, I've been looking forward to it for months, actually. So, Yeah, thanks so much. I feel very uh, privileged to be sharing a little bit of time with you here today. Well, that's very nice of you to say. It is, <laughs> and it is the privilege when we can sit down in the middle of the day on a, on a Wednesday or Thursday and, and just uh, do the things that we learn, talk about what we love to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I like to always take it back but to when we first sort of crossed paths, which was an interesting moment on Instagram. You had a post about, I believe you brought your daughter in to do some work, and she said, why don't they teach this sort of financial literacy stuff in school? Yeah. And uh, that got me thinking, is like, here's a guy who's maybe aware of what it takes. We can't depend on institutions, let's say, to always do things for us, and um, it's incumbent on us as individuals to maybe take the lead on some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's uh, a very good point. I think uh, a lot of times we, um, in general, mm -hmm. we will um, pass off that responsibility to someone because we're busy. And, and I mean, let's face it, everyone's busy right now, right? Sure. The world's a crazy place right now. <laughs> and anytime we can uh, get somebody else to look after something for us, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's that's a benefit, especially yeah. if it's not going to be, uh, you know, of any sort of. Um, strain monetarily right uh the challenge though comes in is who are you listening to right who right who are you listening to and uh the internet is a great thing technology is a great thing when it's used properly um the problem is there's so much misinformation mm. out in the world right now that sure. how do you vet what it is you're listening to right. i i kind of think of it in the in the terms of you know if, if i had appendicitis <laughs> would i go to the barber right 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 right, right? No, I would go to a doctor who specializes in appendectomies, right? right, right? right, right. Um, so I think it's, it's very important to vet your sources and uh, look at the experts in the field mm -hmm. that you're trying to, and not necessarily maybe an anonymous post mm -hmm. or some sort of criticism right. on the internet um, from an unqualified amateur that maybe doesn't fully understand what they're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. um, just so you can make better decisions for yourself, which is kind of what we do. Right. And in the... F in the financial, yeah, that's what you do, of course. So in the financial world, there's a lot of that because it, it pulls on people's deepest desires to be free, to be wealthy, to be successful. How maybe, what's a good, well, what is it that you do that sets, that makes you an expert? What is it that you would say that I'm, I'm a source that when you vet me, I'm who you would want to talk to? That's uh, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously, like my background is in law enforcement, right? right? So yeah. I'm a retired police officer. Uh, I had a great career, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, as I was very really fortunate to, to perform, um, you know, my career at a very high level for yep. a very long time. I was with the tactical team, or better known as a SWAT team, for nice. almost a, almost a, a 12 years. Wow! And uh, you know, the the thing was, it was the job I loved to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely loved it mm -hmm. um, until life happened, right? And I suffered right. uh, a significant injury, a, mm -hmm. a life threatening injury that the doctors really said we have no idea how you survived. Wow. That injury. There's no medical ex explanation for it. Um, but it, what it did is it took me out of the role that I was passionate about, the mm -hmm. way that I felt I was able to serve at the highest level. And uh, it relinquished me to a role within the police service that mm -hmm. I just was not fulfilled in doing. Okay. 
So I started looking for a new career, mm -hmm. and what brought me into the financial field um, was a suggestion from my financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And my first thought to him was, you know I blow stuff up for a living. <laughs> so I'm really not sure how many <laughs> transferable skills I have. Right, right. right? Um, but it got me to thinking about what skills I do have that could be transferable. Mm. People skills, leadership sure. skills, um, investigative skills, right. not making rash decisions based on partial information, right? Okay. Um, there's a difference between information and intelligence. Yes. Information is just a whole bunch of random numbers and words, mm -hmm. right? It becomes intelligence when it's proven reliable mm. and complete. Interesting. Right? Okay. So being able to, to think, uh, you know, logically under pressure, that sort of stuff obviously serves me well here. Mm -hmm. Although I don't nearly have as much pressure here as I did before. <laughs> um, but that, that whole idea of, uh, you know, when I was looking at, at the transferable skills I might have, right. it also led me to think about what I did as a police officer. Mm. Mm. And I started to really think about all of the things that I did, the things I responded to, and I realized that the foundation of almost all crime, almost all social disorder comes down to money trouble. I believe it, yeah. And you know, it's and it's even things you don't think about, mm -hmm. right? It's, I mean, the, the vast majority of calls that police officers respond to are calls of a domestic nature. And when mm. you sit down with those families that mm -hmm. are arguing and fighting, and sometimes it gets it escalates to even worse. Sure. When you really talk to them, one of the found fundamental problems is financial stuff that's mm. causing the stress, which then leads into the domestic sure. disputes, and even things like that. So when you really think about it, as a police officer, I responded to the 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 output. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of the of of what was happening, mm. and. I started thinking if, if I just changed my focus hmm. and I started to think about solving the problem that caused the crime and social disorder, the underlying money struggles that everyone is right. having or the majority of Canadians are having, I'd actually hmm. serve people at a significantly higher level. Huh. You'd start the problem, you'd, you'd sort of stop the problem before it started, so to speak. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. So this whole, the sort of, I guess the, the ethic of this show, the philosophy is helping people who listen build a better life. So yeah. let's say right now, someone looks at their finances, you know, it's a, it's a mess or it's leading to these sort of problems that you see. I could see myself going down a dark road because my money is not working for me or I don't have enough of it. Is there one simple thing or one single thing you point to first or is it a, is it a process or what is kind of the easiest thing someone could do right now to sort yeah. of improve that situation? Yeah. You know, I... I, I, I don't like pigeonholing people sure. or, or, or being judgmental or anything like that. Um, and I think there's too much of that in our industry already mm. where um, the financial industry typically traditionally is based on selling financial products, right? Mm. They're companies. They gotcha. need to, their number one job of a, of a company is to stay in business. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. And so they have to go out and distribute their product or service. Gotcha. Um, I think sometimes the struggle is that because certain institutions, especially large institutions, are so busy, they mm. don't have the time to spend mm. to really learn individual factors gotcha. that are important to each person. So mm. you end up getting cookie-cutter solutions. Right, right, right. So instead of doing that, what, what we do is, number one, our service that we distribute is information. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. don't have anything to sell. We're an independent, full-service mm -hmm. brokerage. Gotcha. So 
We do just about everything that touches a person's financial life. Anything you can think of that has a money sign beside it, <laughs> we can probably help with. Okay. On the other side, we're completely independent, which means we don't own any products. So we have no bias to mm. any company, any corporation, or, or any shareholder. And we don't also have a limitation that certain institutions might have where, let's say you go to a, a blue bank or the green bank, they can only sure. offer blue and green products. Right, right, right. Right? Mm -hmm. We have a massive shelf of products and services mm. because everyone's unique. And everyone deserves a unique solution. Gotcha. Because what works for me might not work for you and vice versa. Mm. So why would, because I answered five questions on a piece of paper, <laughs> it says, I get plan C. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, maybe all of plan C doesn't work for me. Right, right, right. right. I want a little bit of plan A and plan B and maybe throw some D in there as well. Right. <laughs> right, where we can look at everything and we can put those individual plans together. Mm. So when we're talking about like the more simplistic things, I mean, obvious things are have a budget, mm -hmm. right? I, I yeah. know it's it's probably not the the most fun thing for people to do on a Friday is sit down and do your budget, <laughs> sure. um, but it's important to have one. Mm -hmm. um, but the biggest thing I think is take personal responsibility. Mm. Understand that there's nobody, there's no government on this planet mm. that has more impact on your life than you. Mm. Right? That's and a great way to put it. That's in finance and that's in life. Like, right. and, and it's discouraging sometimes when I see people like, oh, the government this and yeah. this, this guy here and this guy there mm -hmm. did this and, and this government's doing this and all that. You know what? There's really no government in history of the world that really did anything that significantly impacted individuals' lives day to day more than those individuals could do themselves. Hey. That's a quote right there. And I think you're right. And it, it goes back to where we started 10 minutes ago is like a lot of institutions, they don't have the individual's best, every individual's best outcome in mind. It's it's sort of a, a blanket or a cookie cutter, like you say, and yeah. personal responsibility has to be. So make a budget. Don't be afraid to sit down and, and think about the money coming in and going out. That's Those are great yeah. steps. Anything maybe to wrap that up? Well, and then talk to somebody that you've built a trust with, built a relationship with. Right. Probably 90% of our business is building relationships with people. Sure. Right? Because yep. I don't know you, but mm -hmm. I'm going to come into your living room and I'm going to tell you what to do as a plan to mm -hmm. try and achieve your goals and dreams. Right? Um, I don't think that happens a lot anywhere else, whether it's in the financial institutions. Mm. I don't think it happens in your job, right. right? There's no one walking around asking people, hey, if time and money were of no consequence, what would you be doing and or purchasing right now, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's important because I think over our lifetime, we, we get conditioned to mm. limit our dreams to be realistic. Sure. And, you know, when you're a child, you you dream dreams, right? You mm -hmm. want to be a space cowboy or you want to be a ballerina with <laughs> yeah. a unicorn or whatever. You're a ballerina in space. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> but it could be anything, right? Could be. And then we just, life beats us up. Yeah. And we, we, we start to, to listen to people who most likely have our best interest at heart, our mm -hmm. parents, our close friends, our family. Right. But because of the things that they've learned, mm -hmm. they try, they start to, unwittingly hmm. reduce our capacity to dream hmm. and to set big goals. That's absolutely right. That And it's, it's, so then do you encourage people to obviously be realistic, but also to, to keep that dreaming part alive, you know, to, to see a better future? Absolutely. I mean, you need to realistic goals for day-to-day -day activities that are going to get you to those bigger mm -hmm. dreams, right? So I, I differentiate 
dreams and goals. The dream is the end result that you're seeking. The goals are the small incremental steps you need to achieve to reach that dream. Gotcha. Right? That's yeah. kind of the way I think of it. Um, but I, you know, there's obvious things that you want to set realistic goals for. Mm-hmm. But you also want to set goals that are going to stretch your thinking mm. and stretch your abilities. And I think sometimes reason people don't set goals is because they they want to say, well, what if I don't hit that goal? Okay. I'm I'm going to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Or if I tell someone else what that goal is and I don't hit it, now I'm going to feel foolish. Mm-hmm. Or someone's not going to understand what my goal and dream is because maybe they just don't think as big as I do. Right. There's all these other things, right? People need to realize that, you know what, it's not hitting the goal mm. at the time frame that you hit it, yeah. as long as you hit it. Mm-hmm. But if you set a time frame, you're more likely to hit it sooner than later. Hmm. Yeah, because right? there's that fire under your ass, so to yeah. speak. It's like, hey, you know what, I want to I wanna do 100 push-ups in, in 30 seconds, mm-hmm. and I want to do it in a month. Well, that's a short period of time. I'm going to have to work out really hard every day right. to get that done. Right. But if instead of a month, I did it in 40 days, mm. I still achieved my goal. Exactly. It just took me a little bit longer. Right. And the, right? T- the time is relative, right? Exactly. So don't be afraid of it. Right. But set the goal. Set the goal. And make it a big goal. Mm. Um, we, we were just in California last week, and we, uh, we were with uh, one of the founders of our organization. Okay. Um, and it was three days with like some of the biggest and best leaders in the financial industry in all of North America. Mm. Um, and we did a whole bunch of exercises. One of them was to make a list of your top 25 goals and dreams, okay. right? Yeah. And it was like big goals. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, some of them are like fantasy goals of mine. Like I'm a big Miami Dolphins fan. I okay. want to own the Miami Dolphins, right? <laughs> nice. I want a private jet, okay. right? So that I'm not limited when I fly, where I fly, mm-hmm. time frames, but also so I can do that in comfort. So people like my mom who are really, uh, it's uncomfortable for her to mm-hmm. fly at this time in her life. Sure. Now she can still see the world, right? So really big dreams. Um, But one of them was, by the time I leave this earth, I want to leave a legacy Hmm. of $100 million net worth. Wow. I think that's a pretty awesome legacy to leave your grandkids, great-grandkids, furthermore, right? Yes. And then uh, we did another exercise where we looked at where our business is now, and Mm -hmm. we said, hey, look, what if you just had small incremental growth for the next 25 years? Where Mm -hmm. would you be? Okay. And so we did that exercise. And then we had one of uh, one of the, the participants in the class come up uh, to share his results. And he mm. said, you know, I took it an extra step. Mm. I said, if my business is here today, 25 years from now, even at just 15% growth per year, this is where I would be. Mm. Now, if I took that income that I earned over that time mm. and I deduct for taxes, I deduct for living and business expenses, extra expenses, travel, sure. blah, 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 what's left over, mm-hmm. I invest this is what my legacy really would be for mm. my great grandkids. Mm. And so Tana and I, my wife and I, we, we did the same exercise. Mm. And here's here's where the power of dreaming big is and where I believe even if you think you're dreaming big, you have no idea how big you can dream. <laughs> okay. We did that exercise mm-hmm. and with where we are now, 25 years from now, we have a potential to leave $1.5 billion of legacy to wow. our great grandchildren. That's with a B. With a B. <laughs> a little bit more than $100 million. A little more. But when I put that $100 million on that goal sheet, I thought this is the biggest dream. Like, how am I going to get there? It seemed insurmountable. Mm -hmm. But now it seems too small. Wow. Now, is there... What strikes me is like how analytic and how sort of 
Oh, I love this. I love goal setting. I love time. Maybe time management is not the right word, but but forecasting, let's say, goal yeah. setting, all that stuff. And it, it turns something on in our brain, right? That dopamine release of like, I see where I'm going now. I'm, I'm going. Is that is that maybe what's sets, I'm not going to say sets you apart, but is that something you try and impart on people is like, you have to look at your life from a kind of bird's eye view sometimes and see a path? Yeah, I think I think that's that's something we definitely try and share with all our agents that you know that that are in our agency that mm-hmm. uh, because m- my goal is to help them achieve their goals, mm-hmm. and if I help enough other people achieve their goals, we're going to achieve our goals, sure. right? Yeah. So it's an external look; it's not internal. Not yeah. what can you do for me? What can I do for you? Because I know if I help enough enough other people, mm-hmm. I'll eventually achieve what I want. Um, but from from a, a practical standpoint, mm-hmm. I think because people in general, not everyone, but in general, I think there's a lot of people who have a lot of limiting personal beliefs. Right. Whether for a number of reasons, maybe it's because they worked at the same job for a long time and it's just comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're not getting out of their comfort zone anymore, or they have certain situations in their life mm-hmm. that have, you know, really been tough for them and they haven't figured out a way to get past those things. Cause gotcha. people have people, some people have really rough lives and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, life is not fair. It never will be right. I, like Matthew McConaughey say, McConaughey says, yeah. it never has been, it never will be. Mm. Uh, get used to it, right? Mm. But the cool thing is, you control how you see your life. So you can choose to look at short-term, kind of uh, end of the road, no future type of of goals, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just want to go to work today so that hey, tomorrow's Friday, mm. and it's the weekend. I just want to get to the weekend. I just want to get to the weekend. My Friday is the day I prepare to accelerate because everyone else has taken the weekend off. Nice. And that's where I'm going to separate. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm going to get to my goals when people who maybe don't think that way are going to struggle a lot harder to get to them, right? And so having those big goals and then being able to look back and back engineer a plan to get to them. Mm. Because, you know, I mean, and... Uh, there are so many people uh, out there today, scientists even, right? Like Dr. Joe Dispenza, he does some oh, yeah. amazing stuff about about the, the physiology and the, the science mm-hmm. around energy and mm-hmm. thinking and the way that works. And it's, it's, not, it's not like new age um, astrological type of thinking. <laughs> sure. This is actual science that proves that mm-hmm. all of that stuff that, you know, maybe 34 years ago we thought was new age mumbo jumbo. Mm-hmm. No, it's true, mm. but there's a scientific reason to it. And he actually took all that stuff that mm-hmm. some people maybe disbelieve and he right. proved it. Right. Wow. And he's got a whole bunch of great books about it. But um, yeah, when, when you really start to to set those big goals and you focus on those big goals mm-hmm. and you be, have a healthy obsession with those big mm-hmm. goals, mm-hmm. um that's when things start to change. Like I said, you might not hit that goal in the time frame you want, mm-hmm. but if you focus on it, you will eventually hit it. That's the key is the focus, right? Yeah. It's like, it, and it, obsession is the, is the right word too. There's something about driving towards something that's not real that in some weird way makes it real. And I'm, I'm not familiar with this Benzo, but you're not the first guy to mention him. And I wonder if there's something he says about um, the universe rewards that momentum. It's not, I'm not saying it's God, some kind of, you know, active creator, but there's something about we have some weird ability to create for ourselves the future that we see, but we have to see it and, and drive towards it. Yeah, and you're you're 100% right. The, the problem is a lack of vision. Big time. People can't see it. Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, and, and I'll say this, uh, you rewind, you know, six years ago uh, before my injury, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be able to comprehend what I'm talking about today. <laughs> I'd have no, I'd be like, holy crap, wow. who is this guy? Right. Right. Like, what's this mumbo jumbo that he's spewing? Right. Fair enough. It's, it's not something that comes easy. It's not mm-hmm. something that comes overnight. It's not like I woke up one day and said, I'm just going to think differently today. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works. It's it's a perishable skill. It's like exercising mm. a muscle. Nice. If you can go to the gym mm-hmm. every day for 20 years, and then if you take six months off, wow, look what happens. Yeah. yeah. Right? Things atrophy. Things don't work the way they used to. Mm-hmm. But with the mindset, it's the exact same thing. It's a process, mm-hmm. right? And you need to start yes. thinking and, and surrounding yourself with great associations, being in the presence of other people. I love mm-hmm. that old saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, you should find another room. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Right? Because when you surround yourself with these amazing associations and these people that just vibrate at a much higher level, mm-hmm. and a vibration is just a, a fancy way of saying an exchange of, of energy. That's sure. all it is. Yeah, yeah. And when you're around these people, you start to think differently, Mm. right? And you start to evolve the way you think. And as a police officer, my thinking was toxic. Mm. And and I will say this, and if there's other police officers listening, um, please don't uh, judge me just yet and wait till I explain what I'm saying. A police officer's mindset is toxic and it it is potentially devastating to him or her and their family. Okay. But it's necessary mm. because every day when you wake up as a police officer, mm. you have to assume the worst in every human being that you encounter that day so that you can increase the chances that you get to go home. Mm. Now, at the beginning of your career, it starts out as just, you know what, I just don't trust the bad guys that I deal with every day. Right. But then it starts to grow into this insidious kind of beast mm. where you think everyone is evil. Mm. And I know so many cops that they will say 100% the world is evil. I hate people. I don't like being around people. Mm. And that's why most police officers only hang around with other police officers because we get it. Uh, mm -hmm. Right? We get it. We live the same life. But when I was able to step away, and, and that's why you know I've, I've said I've said a million times before that mm-hmm. my my injury that that just about killed me that that ended the career that I dreamed about since I was five years old mm-hmm. that was a major major upset in my life. It was actually the best blessing in my life. Yeah, I was going to ask you if maybe yeah. do you now in retrospect see that as being like mercy or or salvation or not even a word that big, but was it a chance for you to maybe have a new lease on life? You know what, I, I, I've never used those words, but mm-hmm. I think you're 100% right. It was. Um, the path I was going down, although it was of great service to a lot of people, mm-hmm. it was a great career, it wasn't going to, number one, be healthy for me in the end. But mm-hmm. number two, I think everyone has the ability to be great. Mm-hmm. There's greatness inside of all of us. I don't care where you are right now, what mm-hmm. level you're at, whether you're a high, high-performing individual or maybe you're really struggling. Right. You have something in you that's great. And this injury allowed me to take the time to work on myself Hmm. so that I could start thinking differently because I I started to separate from being only around police officers, which meant I started to see the world differently. Hmm. I was associating with different people, Mm -hmm. with different mindsets, with different views. And I started to realize that, you know what, the vast majority of people are really amazing. They're really amazing. That's a, that's a hell of a twist or a, a, a change to make, right? Yeah, it is. 
And as soon as I started to realize that, man, the world wasn't as dark and and really restricting as it was, as I thought it was, mm. as, as a police officer, right? Mm. I mean, I mean, there's still some things I do, like you know, when I when I go into public places, I like to sit with my back to the door. Oh yeah. Or my my, my, my back facing. to the wall, facing the door. Gotcha, gotcha. Right. Um, little things like that that probably I I may never get out of, which mm. which is okay for me, because I'm like, hey, you know what? At least. I'm just trying to be safe, yeah. right? No big deal. Um, but my outlook when I meet people now is not, how are you tr- going to try and hurt me? Interesting. Right? Now, I'm, there's a lot of places I want to go, and I thank yeah. you for, for sharing all this stuff. Absolutely. It's, I found myself this summer asking myself, as I was reworking the podcast, why do I believe that a better life is possible for me? Do you? So it's a question that I want to turn on, on the guests, and, and starting with you, is like, at what point... Or like, at what point? Like, why? <laughs> why do you feel that a, that an ideal or a better life is even possible when you came from a place where it looked like you were basically in a certain circle of hell, almost? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, why do I think that? It's more than that. It, mm. I believe it. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's it's more than just thinking. It's more than just a thought or maybe a goal of mine someday. I believe it. Mm. I believe that I am meant to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And what those things are, I probably don't even know yet, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I just know that my life has taken me on a journey to put me in a position now where I'm thinking a lot different than I was five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. And every day is another day of being, getting better, Mm -hmm. of improving myself so I can Mm -hmm. serve at a higher level, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, this business is uh, the financial industry. I think it's a very... um, misunderstood industry. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. I think typically because people um, generally, they go to an institution for their financial education because they don't teach this stuff in school. Right. Right. Now, the challenge with that is, let's say you go to the blue bank. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, the blue bank is only going to sell you blue products. Right. But the other problem is, is that because of certain laws and regulations, mm-hmm. the blue bank can only talk about this much stuff Mm. Mm -hmm. but the financial industry and the financial education industry is massive right so all this stuff that people are not learning about that's their blind spots Mm. it's what Mm -hmm. they don't know that they don't know yet sure right and just like the blind spot in your car Mm -hmm. the blind spot in your financial life is dangerous Mm. so a lot of people are making serious financial decisions that affect their lives whether it's to do with their mortgage, their investments, their insurance, their health and dental, mm-hmm. tax strategies, budgeting. They're making decisions based on partial information. Gotcha. And you know, it's it's like it's like in the police service what we called actionable intelligence. Mm. They're making decisions on information, not actionable intelligence. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so what we focus on is we shine a light on all those blind spots, right? We share with people the information they know to make decisions based on actionable intelligence mm. not just some snippet of information here or a snippet of or a blog they saw mm-hmm. or it's listen you need all the information so you can make a good decision and then you tell me what you want to do with this information and huh. i'll make it happen awesome and it, it strikes me that that's not so unlike where you were in life or even where i was in life 10 years ago when suddenly you then get the opportunity to see that there's more to life, suddenly life becomes a lot more, I guess, worth living because you have the information that tells you, hey, there's a lot more out there that I can that I can do. Absolutely. And I mean, 
associating with different people that think differently really stretched my vision, hmm. right? Like I talked about that exercise, right? right. My, my goal was here, but hmm. after we went through another exercise with somebody that had a bigger vision, hmm. holy cow, I right. can leave a significantly bigger legacy to my family, right? right? I can change my family tree forever. Hmm. Um, so really it's, it's that, you know, changing your associations. And if, if there's one thing I could say to people, if you want to change your life, change your environment. Right. Yeah. When, when a plant doesn't grow, we don't blame the plant. We blame the soil, the water, mm-hmm. the sun. It's not the plant's fault. So if you're not growing, change your environment. Mm. Because, you know, I, I was watching a, a podcast the other day, and uh, I think it was Steve Harvey was saying, you know what, not everyone comes into your life for the rest of your life. Mm. They might have a very finite reason mm. for a season. Mm. Sure. Right? But- now, in some, in some ways, that's hard for people to ex- accept, maybe, because we, like you were saying earlier, that we want that comfort, we want that guarantee, this is how my life's going to go, but we're made to grow, right? And, and that's kind of the tricky part is, is you have to push yourself past what's comfortable yeah. to start growing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, that idea of, of growth is, it's uncomfortable, mm. and we are very comf- comfort-seeking you know, human beings. Um, And that's where having a vision of your goals and dreams is important Mm. because your goals and dreams have to be bigger than the comfort you're in right now. Mm. Be like, Hey, if if I don't get out of this comfort zone, my kids aren't going to go to the college that they deserve to go to. Mm. I'm not going to be able to retire my spouse. I'm not going to be able to retire myself. I'm not going to be able to travel all the places I want to see. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to be able. And so I do an exercise with people where I ask them about their goals and their dreams. Okay. So tell me what all your dreams are. And I don't want you, I don't want you to, to think about time and money, right? Mm-hmm. If there was, if you had all the money in the world and all the time in the world, what would you want to do with all of that? What would you buy? What would you want to do? Would mm-hmm. you want to travel, dream home, dream car, whatever? And then you look at it and you say, okay, how important are these goals to you? Now, some of them are going to be really important. Mm. Some be like, I want to retire my parents. They work way too hard. I want to retire my wife. She works 60 hours a week. Mm. I want these things for my family. These are going to be super important. They're going to be emotional. Mm. And I say, okay, where you are right now, can you make all that happen? Mm -hmm. Well, no. No. Then would you agree that something has to change? Mm. So you said these goals are super important. Mm -hmm. So how willing are you to get out of your comfort zone to make a change to make those things happen? Mm. And if you're not, maybe we don't know what your real goals are yet. Mm. And is that often the case where they then they don't really know what they what they want? Vast majority of the time, absolutely. And so it, it's through a process of really digging deep. Mm. Okay, what does you know? I want to make a million dollars a year. Okay, well, making a million dollars a year is not going to change your life. It's what you're going to be able to do with a sure. million dollars a year that's going to change your life. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to, you're going to be able to donate to charity. You're going to mm-hmm. be able to donate to your, your, your church, or you're going to be able to help homeless people. You're going to be able to retire people. You're going to be able to travel, provide mm-hmm. a lifestyle for your children, whatever it is. So typically, the, the first few answers aren't mm-hmm. the real answers. They're the head answers. Right. Or what they think they should say, or what yeah. someone maybe told or like, them they should. This sounds good. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I want, I want to solve hunger, world yeah. hunger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next. Next. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sure. Okay, but if they say world hunger, why mm-hmm. is that important to you? Sure. Drill down from there. Drill down. Obviously, right? they're charitable or whatever. Yeah. Right. And a lot of times it comes down to people want to be significant. Mm. 
that's so it's an ego thing a lot of the time it is um and i mean ego can be ugly or it can be really really beautiful big time yeah for the right reasons right Mm -hmm. um if you have somebody that wants to be significant in a positive way that can be a major driving force to getting them out of their comfort zone to achieve their goals Hmm. right yeah because i mean for me yeah making you know having a a a legacy of a billion dollars plus for my family is one thing Mm -hmm. um but what is that going to do it means we're going to be able to open up charities Mm -hmm. we're going to be able to help people on a much higher level right Mm -hmm. i see people all the time oh money is evil i go that's bs Mm -hmm. it's just that you have a bad relationship with money absolutely money just puts a spotlight on your character Hmm. Nice. if you're a really good person poor you'll be an amazing person rich if you're a douchebag poor, you're <laughs> going to be a bigger idiot when you're rich. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Right? Right. And so it's people's relationship with money, I think, a lot of times that makes them think small. Mm. Or it gives them an excuse to think small. An excuse to think I'm not going to say it makes them. It gives them an excuse. Right. Which will take the excuse gladly, right? To just yeah. to not have to think too much oh. about it. Oh, I don't understand it. I don't want to be rich because it's going to change me. I'm going to be an asshole. Yeah. Well, you might already well, be. <laughs> That's not the thing that's going to make you that way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like to say, you know what? If if you have five dollars, how many people can you help? Yeah, not even yourself, really. Right? If you have a million dollars, how many people can you help? Mm-hmm. And if your mindset is helping people, serving others, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. goal should be able to make as much money as possible, mm-hmm. so that you can help more people. Mm-hmm. And do you find that that's pretty common when you drill down? Is it people, you say they want to be significant and they, you know, they probably want some comfort, but is, is that what, if you could strip away the sort of the fear and the negativity of being in debt or being, not being wealthy, people just want to do more for others, but they're maybe closed in and can't? Yeah, I think it's, it's self-preservation because they don't, they either, in some ways they don't want to admit they have the capacity to to do more Hmm. because they're comfortable Um, and in some ways no one's ever taught them how to dream Hmm. right I mean I think we you know as like I was saying before as kids we dream massively Mm -hmm. but then life beats us up and we shrink our dreams into the number that's on our paycheck right I can't afford to dream interesting way to put it but yeah right Um, you know it's been referred to as the 40-40-40 club right right? people that work 40 hours a week for 40 years of their life Mm -hmm. to retire on 40% of less or less of what they can't afford to live on today (laughs) there's a lot of people in that club it's not a great club I think is not the majority of people in a certain age bracket in Canada are looking at that well there's a really awesome book um, uh, called the 10 things revenue Canada doesn't want you to know Hmm. And in that book, they they refer to a statistic that came out in about uh, 2000, it was in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. from Stats Canada, where they, they uh, interviewed a whole bunch of different people, different ages, different mm-hmm. demographics, all that stuff. And they realized that 91% of Canadians are in mm-hmm. a collision course to fail in retirement. Right. That was you that told me that when we met. Yeah. 91%. 91%. Now, this was in the early 2000s, though. Okay. Okay. I'm sure and it's gotten better. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so... Let's think about the way it was 22 years ago. Okay. In 2000, the household debt ratio was one to one. Okay. Which means for every dollar of disposable income going into household, mm-hmm. that's after tax income, okay. one dollar was owed in debt. Okay. So people are just getting by. Yikes. Okay. As of September of this year, you know what the household debt ratio is? Oh, can I guess? Uh, five to one? Four to one? Yeah. A dollar eighty. Okay, okay. So, so it's not extreme, but a dollar eighty. Not that extreme, but still, you see where we're going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for every dollar going in, a dollar eighty is owed 
in debt in an average Canadian household right now. Okay. Which means we're spending more on debt than we're bringing in. We're actually living off of debt. We're actually using debt to pay off debt. Oof. Right? And once you start that cycle, it's a difficult cycle to get out of. Right. Now, let's think of what happened in the last few years, the COVID. Mm-hmm. Throw in the pandemic, mm-hmm. throw in everyone staying at home and maybe working at home. Mm-hmm. Throw in that CERB that now everyone's freaking out about because they have to pay taxes on. What do you think is happening now, right? It's only getting worse and worse and worse, right? And it's very easy to get in debt, right? It is. It's easy, right? Almost anyone can go to a bank right now and get a credit card, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, you know, if, if you go to a bank and you get a loan for something, it's like almost before you even get home, there's a credit card in the mail. Like, hey, right. we just gave you a loan, but here's a high-interest credit card. Right. Please spend more money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's money you don't have, though, mm-hmm. right? Now, it's not to say that credit is bad. No, there's really great. good debt out there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there's bad debt. And one of the things that you want to do is you want to separate good debt from bad debt, mm. right? And the bad debt you want to get rid of as quickly as possible. And what right? would that be? Like, just high, like high, high interest, interest credit cards, okay. stuff like that, right? Sure. Um, one of the things that, you know, when we talk to our clients, I, I talk to a lot of people like, I want to pay my house off really quick. Right. Right. Well, if interest rates keep going up, that's a really good plan. But think of it this way. Mm-hmm. If you if you hold off investing in your future, so investing for your retirement, mm-hmm. by putting extra money on your mortgage, mm-hmm. and you maybe you pay off your mortgage instead of 20 years, you pay it off in 17 years. Mm-hmm. And then you invest from 17 years to 25 years. Mm-hmm you'll have a certain amount of money. Right. But there's a really interesting little thing called compound interest. Mm -hmm. So you're only allowing your money to compound for eight years. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you would have started investing from square one, instead of putting that extra money on your house Mm -hmm. when interest rates are low, right? right? And you let that money compound over time, Mm -hmm. by the time you get to that 25 years, your house is still paid off. In both scenarios, your house is paid Mm -hmm. off after 25 years. Right. It's just you give let time work for you, mm-hmm. compound interest work for you, mm-hmm. and now you're going to have significantly more money in the bank for your retirement mm-hmm. and still have a paid-off house. Right. But mm-hmm. I think people don't either, they don't take the time to crunch the numbers, right. which is where we come in. We say, hey, let's crunch the numbers together, mm-hmm. right? Educate you, share information, because depending on certain circumstances, that might not be the best plan the second way. Right. Everyone's different. Sure. This is not a, a one-size-fits-all cure. Mm-hmm. That's not the way it works. Um, but it's, yeah, that, that vision to be able to look at things mm-hmm. and take guidance from trusted people, mm-hmm. right? Not yes. just strangers on the internet. <laughs> and there's a lot of those. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about, well, the, the difference, I suppose, between being a police officer, you know, shift work, very regimented life, I would think, to now mm-hmm. a fairly entrepreneurial life, it seems yeah. like. Was that a, a tough transition to make? That was a huge mindset shift. Right. Um, I mean, when my entire life I'd have been an employee, right? Mm. Like uh, when I was growing up, it was actually okay for nine-year-olds to get a job and work. Oh. <laughs> so I started working Damn. at a very young age. Okay. Um, and But I'd always been an employee, mm. always been an employee. Um, and, you know, then moving into this, in this industry, um, it was, uh, uh, it was a, an incredible wake up because mm. I had to think differently. I couldn't mm. think like an employee anymore. Right. So being an entrepreneur is a double-edged sword. Because yep. as an entrepreneur, you get control of your time. 
the other edge of the sword is you get control of your time. Right, which can be <laughs> hell on earth if you're not ready for it, right? Right, because you're saying, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Oh, I mm-hmm. got the day off. I don't have to go to the office. I don't have to. I don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I think the, the thought of an entrepreneur is if I work harder at the beginning, mm-hmm. I'll be able to not work at the end. Mm. Whereas an employee, you know you're going to work every day until you retire. At a steady pace. At for, a steady pace yeah. for 30, 40 years, oh. right? Yep. But as an entrepreneur, I was thinking, you know what? I worked bloody hard as a cop, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we were in the SWAT team. We were in, in the gym a couple hours before our shift, working out. Yeah. Um, you know, our training was very, very uh, difficult. The missions we went on, obviously, were, were pretty significant yeah. and some of them extremely serious. Hmm. Um, you know, you're under strain 24-7. You're working shift work. Mm-hmm. The stress of the job uh, affects you, you know, emotionally, affects you mentally, but mm-hmm. also affects you physically because stress is one of the worst cool. things for our health, Yeah. right? Yeah. Even more than, than radio waves and eating <laughs> junk food, sure. you cut stress out of your life and you will significantly impact your health and wellness, hmm. right? Big time. One of the biggest stresses people have is money stress. Money. Yeah. Right? And Which, it's like a constant weighing yeah. stress, right? The, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that was my first hurdle is knowing that, okay, as an entrepreneur, I have control of my time, but it means I need to do something with my time. Mm. Something productive, something that's going to move me forward. Right. And for me, it took me a little while until I finally started listening to people who knew better because... Mm-hmm. You know, being being a, an ex-SWAT guy, we, uh, <laughs> we're supposed to have all the answers. We're supposed to know everything. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I knew everything, right, until I realized, okay, I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Time to listen to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, until I actually sat down and someone said, listen, you need to get a, a calendar and you need to use your calendar. Mm-hmm. But your calendar has to run your time. You don't run your calendar. Okay. So uh, Sunday night every week, I go through my entire calendar, mm. right? I make sure it's filled up with the things I need to do, but it's not just business stuff. Mm-hmm. I put my personal stuff in there as well. Nice. Right? Spending time with family, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my, my, my morning routine. I have a morning routine every day. Uh, make sure that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, time to reach out to my team, time to talk to other agents, time mm-hmm. to build the business, mm-hmm. right? All that sort of stuff. And then every day I just open up my calendar. Like, what are we doing today? Right? Easy. And it's even easier because mm-hmm. my amazing wife actually runs my calendar. So, I like that part. Right? It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I open up my calendar. Okay, great. Oh, right on. We have lunch today. Awesome. Right? Yeah. Great. But then my calendar tells me what to do. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it from a, a uh, perspective of an employee, mm-hmm. someone's always telling you what to do. So one of the easiest ways to become an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is to let your calendar tell you what to do. Your boss is your calendar. Nice. But now you're sort of your own boss through the calendar, but it's this device that... Yeah, yeah. that replaces that boss that mm-hmm. some people really need to keep them focused. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Now, that's great. I love that Sunday. Sunday morning, I sit down and do the same thing. And well, I guess, what would you say to someone who, who says, well, this feels like uh, you're being too analytic with life. Like, do you build in Do you build in free time? Like, Oh, yeah. 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 And I, I heard someone one day say, you know what, you should have... Like uh, you should color code everything in your yeah, book, right? Time. One color for business, personal, health, mm-hmm. lunch, whatever. And there should be no white spaces mm. in your calendar. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then so I went. We we went down to Calgary to to sit with uh, with one of uh, one of the the senior partners down there for a day. Because okay. um, I'm always looking to learn from other people, right? And and I talked to him about this, and he's very successful. Okay. And he said. What? White? Yeah. yeah. Look, I got lots of white spots in here, 
right? But whatever is in my calendar, mm. I'm faithful to. Mm. Nice. So yeah, you have white spots. Like, man, Got life it. is meant to be lived. You're not going to be that regimented. Right. But just make sure that you're following that calendar. And mm. you know, every business, every everything has a certain sort set of numbers to it. And mm. so if you know what your numbers are, you know what your goals are, you have a clear mm. vision. You can back engineer a plan to know every day, if I accomplish these goals, I will get to my goal at a certain time. Right. And so that relieves stress. Be like, hey, I know I have to make this many phone calls. I have mm-hmm. to talk to this many people. I have to help these many families mm-hmm. this week. If I do that, I'm on track. Right. And you feel good. And you feel good. Now, that's now you don't strike me as a guy who's ever, or maybe you have, but any kind of anxiety. Like for me, my anxiety can get out of control and it's this yap, yap, yap about you haven't done things. Now, as soon as you, so then sometimes I build the goals or I break the goals down to so small where it's like, you know, just get up and walk over there and start doing that. Yeah. And then really you can build from there to like a 10 year goal. Is that, I guess I'd ask what I'm trying to ask is, do you sometimes have to break those goals down even smaller to just sort of, I guess, keep yourself engaged with that life or? Yeah, I I think at the beginning, it's important to do that, Mm -hmm. to make very small, finite goals Mm -hmm. because they are more attainable. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's more realistic for your brain to figure it out until you get in a habit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's one of those things, once you start getting into the habit, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think science says it takes about 30 days to create a habit. Right. Okay. So just be very, very diligent for 30 days mm. and that those activities will become a habit. Mm. Right. Um, but at the beginning, I think it is, like you said, really important mm. to, you know, like one of the stories I love is a story of a gentleman who wanted to start working out and get healthy. Okay. So he made a habit of just going to the gym every day. Didn't even work out. Oh, really? Just went there. Habit of going there. It's crazy. Oh, if you're in the gym every day, sooner or later, you're going to pick up a weight. <laughs> yeah, you might jump on a treadmill. And, right? Yeah. And that, so then that, that progressed to five minutes, progressed to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then as it started progressing, it started to progress exponentially. Mm-hmm. Because you're like, okay, now I feel good. Oh, I'm going to stay a little bit longer. I'm going to stay a little bit longer. I'm gonna, Right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in a year, he lost, I can't even remember the numbers, some outrageous amount of weight. He was in great health. Mm-hmm. All, his, all his physiological numbers were significantly better, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it started with creating a habit of just driving to the gym. Wow. That's it. Just start. Just right? start. Right? Too many people are waiting for the perfect time. Mm-hmm. It'll never happen if you're waiting for the perfect time. There's always going to be something to get in your way. Yeah. there's. I don't know what it is, but there is something that tells us there's the perfect time to start. There's the perfect place to be that I'm not there. But mm-hmm. there is something about just finding in, in yourself that motivation to just yeah. take a step, right? Yeah. And, and it's not easy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, we can sit here and talk about it all we want, right? Sure. Maybe we've seen some success. Mm-hmm. We, we've, you know, we've gotten through certain barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that it was easy. Um, no. And, and it, it's an ongoing process. There are still mornings. Where I wake up and it's like, okay, I got to do my morning five. I really don't feel like doing this. Oh, <laughs> what geez. is that? My morning five? Yeah. Um, first thing I do is I write in my gratitude journal. Nice. Every morning. Mm-hmm. I read aff- affirmations. Okay. Right? Um, I do my goals. I go over all my goals for nice. the day. I look at my calendar and make sure I've got all of my essential work done to build my business every day. Mm-hmm. And then my last thing is actually in the evening. In the evening, I okay. reread my goals nice. and I pre-plan my next day. Right? Every morning. 
So my every morning, oh, and um, I read ten pages of a good book. Oh, at okay. least ten pages of a good book. Nice. Right? Gets the brain yeah. lubed up, so like, to speak. Not not Harry Potter, no. but like <laughs> sure. like someone that's gonna build me personally, right? right? Get, yeah, get you motivated, get you yeah. in the headspace. Okay. And you know, I say this all the time, people will go to work to a job they hate yep. and spend eight, ten, twelve hours working for someone else to mm -hmm. make another entrepreneur wealthy while mm -hmm. they're basically getting paid the absolute minimum that that entrepreneur can pay them to keep them around. <laughs> That's true. Right? Yeah. But they won't spend a half an hour on themselves in the morning. Yeah. You're worth it. Oh, big time. I would say my morning routine has done the same thing. What do you do? Uh, first thing, get up, hydrate. Got to get like a liter or 750 mil water. Yeah. Go for a walk, 15, nice. 20 minutes. Get active. I say the walk in the water, the digestion then is, if you know what I'm saying, then mm -hmm. come home, write in that journal. And my journal is uh, more about just what I did the day before. Okay. And then I have been getting into prayer lately, not in a Christian sense, but just outside speaking, manifesting into the universe. It's, I love it. If the neighbor saw it, he'd think I was crazy. But <laughs> And then, then it's like, I've done so much and it's six in the morning you yeah. know and then you're just juiced up to go yeah you know exactly yeah and and you're more present in your own life you're you're a part of yes. your own game then you're in the in the game you're not sitting on the sideline watching your life oh, go by right you're actually on the field you're in the game now right you're in the game yeah yeah, yeah. i love it thank you for listening to this episode of self-control how to build a better life hope you enjoyed part one of my conversation with vic pipke uh, and it's got you thinking about setting goals and, and, and dreaming big. You know, surely uh, we, can't, we can't get to where we want to be if we don't see ourselves inching towards there daily. And uh, I also hope that specifically time management and scheduling and the morning routine are things that uh, if you're not practicing, you're open to practicing uh, for yourself. And uh, those are things, like I said, that I will speak about uh, in a follow-up episode shortly to hopefully shed some light on why it's worked so well for me. Uh, in improving my life. Um, please stay tuned next week for part two of my conversation with Vic. Uh, he, he shares the story of his uh, you know, terrifying and life-altering injury and, and talks about the, the transition into uh, a whole new career, uh, a career that he himself would never have even understood at one time, and now he's become something of an expert. It's incredible how malleable we humans can be. Uh, and Vic also shares a lot more wisdom uh, in part two as far as um, mindset and how we look at our life and how we how we see ourselves progressing to where we want to be. I think that's so, so crucially important. Uh, he also shares a couple couple pretty crazy stories as well along the way, so, so look out for that. And again, look out for my follow-up episode regarding time management and a morning routine. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Until I speak with you again, please remember that better is possible.